Everybody and welcome into the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy and Danny Small, and we got a interesting show here today with the the FIBA World Cup taking place right now. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the the United States team, and I know they don't have anybody that's on the Knicks, but I think it's it's one of those things where it's Team USA. We all can kind of relate to. We're all watching them, seeing how they do. And then, of course, here in the second segment, we do have Frank Nielakina playing for Team France. Uh, you know, it's a big year for Frank, so all eyes are certainly on him uh, from the Knicks' perspective. So we will get into Frank in this World Cup here in the second segment. But we are going to start here with Team USA. And uh, Danny, you know, we were talking a little bit before. You know, we started recording a little bit here, planning through what we were going to do. Uh, you have been able to watch more of this World Cup than, than me and Chip have. And with this United States team, I think one thing that makes it pretty interesting this season is that uh, this is not your typical United States team that just walks into a tournament like this and just destroys everybody. They have some holes on their team. They, they lost in a friendly game to Australia. Uh, they played earlier today against Turkey and Let's be honest, they, they kind of got lucky in this one here that you know Turkey wasn't able to hit some free throws. So this team is very vulnerable, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on this team uh, USA so far here in this World Cup. Well, I think you're right. For sure, this is the most vulnerable team the Team USA has put out in a decade or so. Um, and, you know, for whatever reasons, guys weren't going, you know, that's a whole different story for a different day. Fact of the matter is, you know, they have the B or C team there. And the other thing is the rest of the world takes the World Cup more seriously than the Olympics. So, you know, you see Giannis is with Greece. Jokic is there with Serbia. You know, you see pretty much the rest of the teams are fielding almost their best lineups. And, you know, the other the other countries you see, like Australia, Spain, France, these teams, they play together all the time. There's a continuity there. There's a cohesiveness. And the USA, while they're more talented than everybody else, like without a doubt, they just, you know, you watch them play. They're not as crisp offensively. You know, kind of you see some defensive breakdowns here and there. You don't really see, you know, the kind of like crisp, great basketball that you see from some of the other teams. I mean, as the tournament goes on, they might, you know, really start to play well together, you know, develop that cohesion, and they'll be dangerous late. I mean, they're still, I'd say, probably the favorite, even though they have looked beatable. Um, but it's just there's a, there's a lot of issues with them there. And in a tournament like this where you get to that quarterfinals, it's one and done, no seven-game series. Anybody can beat anyone on any given night at that point. So I think for sure at this point in time, if you're – a fan of Team USA, you know, you're rooting for the your home country. You got to be at least a little worried. You know, and Chip, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this. As we we've seen over the last several weeks, really the last few months, the whole tryout process of people that have been invited to camp, and we've seen left and right guys dropping out. Uh, it's a team that has. 
good players. Still. I mean, it's the NBA, obviously, but it's it's a team that has a lot of young potential superstars. Guys like Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell. Um, is it a concern to you that a lot of these guys are not are the big guys? Curry, LeBron, all those guys that we typically see during the Olympics not joining for the FIBA World Cup? Or you think it, it's really not that big of a deal that these guys are out and that you know this team still should be able to win even with a younger, a little bit less experienced roster here? They should be able to win because, like Danny said, they are the most talented team by far. They're stacked with NBA talent. But it is a concern because it's not just that they're not packed with all-star talent. They only have three all-stars. Kemba and Middleton were all-stars last year. And Lopez was an all-star, but that was uh, in 2013. He hasn't been an all-star in a very long time. And it's not just that they don't have all-stars. It's that these guys have not played in international competition before. They're new to this. So that's the reason to be concerned. I mean, I figured they'd struggle. Uh, so the, so getting smacked around by Australia a little bit in a friendly, that wasn't really surprising to me. Um, giving up 98 points to them, that was inexcusable. But, uh, yeah, the loss, uh, or the, the loss... Almost losing to Turkey today, that was uh, shocking. I mean, I thought the Australia thing would be such a huge wake-up call. I thought they'd just start locking teams down on defense. They have a lot of really good defensive players on this team. Like, really good defensive players. Chris Middleton's a great defensive player. Marcus Smart might be the best defensive player in the NBA other than Kawhi and Draymond Green. I agree with you. So, I'll, I'll have something yeah. for you later on that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was at I was at work today, so I was watching the game through Twitter like most people, I think. And I see the tweet from I think it was Stein probably and it said like Tatum needed three free throws to send it to overtime. And I was like, what the hell is going on just to send it to overtime? And like Danny said, Turkey basically just gave this one away with well, with four with four missed free throws. Like, oh you, my god. And you had a good point before. You said, you know, they don't really know international play. Har Joe Harris, who he, he had a great game otherwise, but he yeah, had a foul. Yeah. That was an intentional foul. And he sent them to the line for two two point or two shots and the ball because he didn't know. You know, it's not like the NBA where you can just grab a guy and it's, you know, a foul. They go right. and they shoot their free throws. You have to make a play mm -hmm. on the ball. And Harris just grabbed the guy kind of around the waist. So, you know, you're right. It's like they don't. They're still, you know, kind of learning the ins and outs of the game. You know, you can the zone defense is a thing that throws them off. You can tap that balls really off the rim. Them off today. Yeah, yeah, they, they were they were having trouble with the zone. It's just, you know, they and that's like what I said. Where as the tournament goes on, they'll probably get more comfortable with that kind of stuff and be a little bit better. But man, I will say. Now I was telling you guys that I was in class today trying to watch this game, and I was trying really hard not to show that I was watching a game, uh, but I kept making facial expressions and throwing my hands up a lot, which I got caught. <laughs> Luckily for me, the professor is a basketball fan and told me just to keep them updated, but make sure I'm taking notes. But Danny, I wanted to ask you about that, that foul call where Harris fouled him. Uh, at that point, I did miss what was the outcome from that. Did Turkey get free throws there or they just got the ball and had to inbound it? 
They got two free throws. So the guy Harris fouled. He got two free throws. He missed both of them. Wow. Then they inbounded the ball. Chetty Osman got two free throws on, you know, they just fouled him to send him the line. And he missed both of them. Wow. So, it was, you know, yeah, it's just uh, Turkey, they gave, the, they gave the game away. They had a golden opportunity. That's just, I mean, and I'm watching this game and just seeing a little bit of a team that, you know, you look at some of these guys who haven't had the experience at, at the, the international level before. I know at the very end of the game right there, we see uh, Miles Turner just completely lose you know, control the basketball. He, he wasn't holding it in a triple threat, strong position, kind of keeping it loose, had it poked away, and that's what led mm-hmm. to that Harris foul here. And, you know, it's kind of like it, Popovich is trying to have to figure out here on the go what, what will be his go-to roster. As you guys point out, there's very good defensive players on this team, uh, but it was a little concerning to see you don't really know who's going to be that guy to just take over. You know what I mean? It looks like Kimba is the most experienced player. He hit some big shots down the stretch there. But if there is a guy that you would say, Danny, who you, you've been able to watch more than us, who do you think can start taking over for this team, being more of a leader on the court for Team USA? I think the two guys are definitely Kemba and Mitchell. Those are the two yeah. best guys on the team. Yeah, but for sure. I think the bigger problem, rather than like needing a closer down the stretch or anything like that, I think the bigger problem for the USA is just they they're thin in the front court. I mean, they have Miles Turner's playing pretty decent; he's he's looking good, but Brooke Lopez hasn't been great. Mason Plumley didn't even play, so they are thin at center, and then they don't even have any like big, you know, rugged fours that can kind of flex to a small ball five. Which, if you if you guys want a Knicks connection. I think if they had Julius Randle, he would be the perfect guy to play, you know, that small ball center down the stretch because he can kind of facilitate in the middle of that zone. He's a good, you know, uh, he's a good kind of guy who can handle the ball. He wouldn't he wouldn't have turned it over like Miles Turner did at the end of the game. So I think, you know, when you're forced to play Chris Middleton at the five in crucial moments, you're just, yeah, he's a great defender, but that's a tough position to put him in it's just they're they're very talented and good at like one two and three those positions four and five it gets thin for them if there's a team in this tournament that you think could and i I know the united states lost already but if there's a team that you think is going to win it other than the united states who is it and why and we'll start with danny um, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to give Serbia because we're going to talk about France later and I'll, I'll get into more of what I think about them there. And I think Serbia, just for the fact that they have some legit NBA talent on the team and they have Jokic, who is the second best player in the tournament. I mean, if you're ranking guys, I think it goes, and this is debatable after the first two, but I think it goes Giannis, Jokic, Three, I would go Gobert, and then four or five, I would go Walker, Mitchell. But, you know, Jokic, having Jokic, that just means, you know, Serbia's going to have a chance against the USA, and they're going to be the favorite against everybody else. And Chip, in your opinion, who do you think is the team that's the biggest threat to the United States in the tournament? Yeah, I, I'm not mad at the Jokic pick. I think that's a uh, the Jokic pick, the Serbia pick. But uh, I love uh, Spain. I, I love their uh, their uh, team 
their te- the fact that they've played together for so long. Yeah, they got, they're stacked. They're stacked too. They got Rubio. They got Gasol. Uh, they got both Hernan Gomez's. Uh, they got um, what's his, the guy? Uh, they got Rudy, Rudy Fernandez too. Who's, right? Yeah, yeah. Who's been on Spain national team. You know, for the last yeah. twenty years, it seems like. Yeah, and I everybody thought it was going to be like a really successful NBA mm-hmm. player right. too. Um, I like them. Uh, I think outside of Spain and Serbia, I don't see the U.S. losing. But like you said, Jokic is just phenomenal. And and we talked about how the U.S. just, they they look like an AAU team out there sometimes playing together. Yeah. So, and Spain is the definition of a team, like a, a well-oiled machine like we've been talking about. So that's going to hurt the U.S. And... Like you said, Serbia's got the Jokic factor. They've got the second best player. So, um, yeah, yeah. And I, not, not. I, I, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I was gonna. Take oh no, no, no. A little. I'm gonna take it on a little tangent after. No, no. Good, good. Go ahead. All right, yeah. Because just my tangent. You know, I brought up Giannis because they lost to Brazil. I mean, like, oh my god, it's you know, they came into it as one of the favorites, which I think they've. You know, you don't want to base too much off one game, but I think out of you know these teams that coming into the into the tournament, people were saying, "Oh yeah, well Greece has a chance because they have Giannis." But I think you know they're definitely dropping out of this conversation of you know like who's going to compete with the U.S. just because they looked so bad today. I mean, I I, yeah. I just rewatched that game during the afternoon. Like Giannis had seven shots, and he took one shot in the fourth quarter with six fifty seven, I think, left. And he didn't. He barely touched the ball the rest of the game. It's just there. He took seven I, shots the whole game. He went. He went to the line. He had seven free throws. One was an and one, and then he had you know like three fouls on shots, but seven field goals in the game. Oh my god! Yeah, there's, it was. And I think when you're talking about these these teams that can knock off U.S., I think you know the two we said: Serbia, Spain, uh, France, which we'll get to. Uh, Australia is in there. Um, I think I'm forgetting somebody else too, but you know, I think Greece definitely dropped out of that conversation today after Anderson Varejao outplayed the reigning MVP. Oh my God. I'll say this: I hate Anderson Varejao. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was it was like it was like going in a time machine watching Anderson Varejao and Leandro Barbosa like. Running the show at the end of the game. Yeah, I I love I love, love Barbosa. I, I like Barry yeah. too, but but yeah, it's like Barbosa. He was actually he's like a super sub, but at the end of the game, he was just going off, like just you know, straight up and down the court. The blur. I'll say this: if I'm the coach of Greece and Giannis gets seven shots, I'm cutting everybody on the team. Like the game they plan, should cut the, they should get, cut the coach. Yeah. Or say yeah, if he can't figure it out, the game plan should be give the guy, the guy that won the MVP of the NBA, the ball. And everybody else watch. Yep. That's what they're there for. That is that and is I idiotic. Think, I can't believe that he only got seven shots. That's insane. But I'll say this. Pro- pro- go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, with all that being said though, there is no doubt that this United States team has a lot of work to do themselves. A lot of work. They they're they I today won on talent. That's it. They just won on talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the execution wasn't the only, there. Yeah, and they got lucky. Agreed. That's it. I mean, that's the only way. So, Danny, you got a finishing thought? Go ahead and wrap it up. 
finishing thought is just going to be Greece can be fine. They can figure it out. I'll just touch on that if they get the ball to Giannis. But like we said, you know, I wouldn't put them in that conversation of contenders with the U.S., but there's there's no shortage of them. You know, there's Jokic with Serbia, Spain, France, Australia. You know, there's there's a long or there's just a list of teams that could knock off this U.S. team on, you know, maybe they're not best night shooting. You know, we saw that today where Kemba didn't shoot well. Mitchell, Tatum, they all kind of were, you know, off. It's possible. I mean, you know, it's maybe not possible in the group stages. I think that's a little crazy to say. But once you hit that quarterfinals, it's no no games are, are given. No, so we're going to jump to a break here. When we come back, we are going to focus on Frank Nimakina again. Uh, this is a a guy that has a lot of eyes on him right now, especially from Nick fans. They want to just see any signs of development. You know, any signs that perhaps we can get somebody that's, you know, taking a little bit to develop, but somebody that certainly can be a very productive player for the Knicks moving forward. So we are going to focus solely on Frank Nielakina and his FIBA World Cup performance. That's coming up next here on the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Hello, everybody. Mac is still the co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and contributor to Elite Sports New York. You can follow me at Twitter at MattyDiesel15 to get my latest articles, videos, and podcasts. Make sure to follow Elite Sports New York's Twitter as well at Elite Sports NY and the rest of Elite Sports New York's social media pages to stay up to date to all the New York sport news. Welcome back into the Nick State of Mind podcast as we're going to focus here on Frank Nielakina as he's in the World Cup with Team France. And again, it's one of those things where, especially this season, it might be one of those topics that gets talked about a little too much, uh, Frank Nielakina in general, because it is just it's a big year for him. It's year three uh, with the organization. At this point, you want to see him take a big step forward. Uh, a lot of people believe it's a make or break year for him. I'm sure there's some out there that are going to continue to say you got to give him a little bit more time, but. By year three, you definitely want to see something. So there's an excitement right now for these games just to see what Frank Nielakino looks like. And Chip, I know you have heavily covered this. Um, just talk a little bit about that first and how, how big of a deal this is uh, for Frank Nielakino here in this FIBA World Cup. Well, actually, Danny's the one who's been heavily covering this. I want to give him his credit. He's done an amazing job if you want to check his Twitter. He's been, I've been following Frank Nielakina. Most of my news from Frank uh, via the World Cup has come from Danny's Twitter. So I don't want to butcher his uh, handle, so I'll let him give out his own handle. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Frank. I When I saw that he was starting in the first game, I know it was against Jordan and they stink, but still the coach put him into the starting lineup, and uh, he played really well. He had 12 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, 3 steals. Uh, he put up a good line. So I was really happy to see him in the lineup. Uh, I know, I think it was uh, Batum was out. Uh, but, um, yeah, and then he played uh, like 15 more minutes or something like that against Germany, and I know they scooped by on that one. They need him play as well. 
But uh, look, he's an inconsistent player. He's young, so that's what happens. And also, Nick Batum stuck in that game because Nick Batum stinks. So I don't know why Nick Batum's <laughs> playing 33 minutes. He's he's not going to give them much more than Frank gives them. Nick Batum had two points in 33 minutes. So I don't know why he's playing 33 minutes. But whatever. Evan Fournier is a beast. That's my main takeaway from France. He's just one of those guys who explodes in these international competitions like Patty Mills. But uh, getting back to Frank, yeah, I, I've been really impressed with the main things that I'm typically impressed with, and that's his defense. Yeah, I, It's just, look, I hope he takes another step forward in his defense because last year he did regress, and I think that was evident to anybody. I, maybe it was like a, a mental thing uh, because I don't think he's a poor i don't think he's a worse defender than he was in his rookie year i think he's closer to the defender he was in his rookie year than he was last year so i'd like to see him have the ball in his hands more as a selfish fan uh during this um world cup but uh i realize that as the game's getting more and more important it's going to be the fournier show as it should be for france but uh it's been fun to watch uh Frank in important games because he's never played an important game in his entire NBA career. So it's pretty cool to see that he's got to be excited. He's got to be thrilled because he's been put on uh, the pay no mindless by the Knicks pretty much. So, I mean, you look at the depth chart on ESPN and the point guard, list. I'm pretty sure Frank is fourth. So he's behind Alfred freaking Peyton. I can't go. Onto my, I don't want to go onto my Alfred Payton tangent right now, but <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, just, yeah, I'm excited for Frank that he's getting meaningful minutes and hopefully it leads to, uh, hopefully it leads to a good start to the season. But yeah. Uh, and France, like we said, France looks like a team that could actually challenge the U S so it's going to be interesting to see how much, much of an impact Frank makes in that run. And Danny, you know, I was going to say as well, you're all over this in general, being able to uh, cover this tournament and doing a great job, you know, with the coverage of it. Um, you, you look at game to game, you see a lot of discussions, you know, once he has a good game, you know, you got people that talk about it as, you know, making it a bigger deal than it is because I get that it's important. But what I what I guess what I'm asking is, you know, is it easily to get a little too wrapped up in in these kind of games? If he has a great performance, you might overreact a little bit, thinking too much ahead uh, for the season for the Knicks, or even if he has a bad game. And then those that want to criticize him, are these the kind of games that people got to be a little bit careful and, and not look too much into it and Give it some time, not just one game. Let's see how he plays throughout this tournament. Is it easy to kind of get into that, you know, one game mentality here and, and, you know, kind of let that shape your mentality? Yeah, I think it's definitely easy to do that. And first, I just say thanks for the kind words, guys. I'm having fun in covering this uh, tournament. You know, I'm doing the Twitter thing and writing some stuff. I have something out on Elite Sports tomorrow, so having fun with it. But to get back to your question, Matt, 
I do think it's easy to get like wrapped up in these. Like, I mean, you know, Frank looked really good today. 12, five, five, you know, three steals, a block, like the line is great, but you have to think, you know, Jordan, what are they, you know, they're ranked, I think 49th right now. Um, in the world, I, I could be wrong about that, but you know they're not a great team. So it's like you have to kind of take these things in perspective. But you know, I think France is one of the better teams in the tournament. I think they're going to go pretty far, at least to the quarterfinals and maybe further. Those are the games you're going to like to see from Frank. You're going to love, you know, if France plays against the USA, Frank's starting and he's playing big minutes. You're going to see him covering Kemba Walker full court. You know, you're going to see him getting in Donovan Mitchell shorts. You know, you're going to see him in, in big moments. And I think it's a great point what Chip said. These are some of the most important games Frank Nielakina has ever played in his life. Because, like, you know, those he's played in big games for the Knicks just for the fact that, you know, he's a rookie, this, that, the other thing. But, you know, these are really, like, the first, like, big, like, pressure moments he's going to be in. Other than, I think, when he was in, I think it was the U18 tournament, right before he got drafted by the Knicks. Kind of The reason why he, he flew up on draft boards is because he was the MVP of... I think it was like the Euro Cup. Uh, so it was no the European Championship for U eighteen. It was something like that. I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But that was like his coming out party, playing for his national team, and now he's got the chance as a 21 year old to start for his nation's you know basketball team. That's pretty cool for him. And you know to kind of circle back to your original question. Yeah, it's easy to get wrapped up so much thinking, like, for every game, thinking, how does this affect his future with the Knicks? How does this affect his future with the Knicks? How did that play affect his future with the Knicks? Oh, he missed a shot. He's never going to make it for the Knicks. It's easy to get wrapped up in that. But for me, at least, I've been having a lot more fun just watching basketball and, like, enjoying watching the international game. Because I, I think it's a it's a little bit different from the NBA, and it's a lot of fun, you know, with those those little changes. I think that's the truth right there, the fact that it's just basketball. I mean, we... How often do we get, like, you know, high-level competitive basketball right. in the beginning of September? You know, I mean, enjoy it. You don't, have to, you don't have to make everything into, you know, did this game make or break his future with the Knicks? Because, yeah, we all think about it, but it's a lot more fun to just watch and just enjoy the game. And at the end of it, then we can kind of all, like, regroup and say... All right, so what did the tournament, you know, what did the lead-up, what did all that mean for Frank's future with the Knicks? And this next question really is going to be for both you guys and really all of us to answer a little bit here. And I'm going to start off with you, Chip. But, you know, throughout this tournament, what what specifically do you want to see from Frank Nielakino? For example, with me, I just want to see him hit that open shot. You know, when he has that open look, just knock it down consistently and occasionally – create some offense for yourself i understand his role with that team he's not the primary the the ball's not going to be in his hands but just every once in a while show the ability to create his own shot but most importantly hit that open shot and for the most part he was able to do that today but that's kind of my take chip what do you want to see from him specifically yeah i think that's a great one i think him hitting the open shot i think he's shown that he's capable of hitting the open shot before in small spurts. There's not necessarily a large sample size of him hitting any sort of type of jump shot. Uh, but, yeah, I look, if he can hit, I'm not necessarily talking about a three-point shot because I'm not sure he's ever going to be even an average three-point shooter. But if he can pull up and hit 
a 16-18 footer uh, when he's open, then that just gives a whole new facet to his game. I'd love to see him hit a shot like that. Uh, even if he's like teams are always going to leave him open based on what he's done these first two years. So, yeah, I, I'd like to see him hit an open shot. Uh, I, I don't know about creating a shot for himself. Um, I'm not sure if he's ever really going to be a guy who attacks the basket at will like a Dennis Smith Jr. So I think he needs to work on his jumper a little bit more first because I'm not sure he's that kind of player. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see him work on it. I'd like to see the jumper improve. And, yeah, that's that's what I'll go with, the jumper. And, Danny, same thing. What are you looking specifically in his game that you, you want to see to have, you know, a little bit of excitement from him coming into this season? I think you guys got probably the number one right there, missed shots, you know, Hitting, hitting the open shot, knocking that down, I think is the big thing for him, which, you know, we'll see. But I also think, and this, I'll kind of go against Chip here too, I think being a little more aggressive getting to the rim is going to be a bigger thing for him. Just because, like, he's six foot six, probably six foot seven maybe at this point. I mean, he's, he's a big guy. And for a guard, he's gotta, he's gotta be able to be a little more aggressive. And we have seen, you know, we have seen that a little bit here from him. I mean, today, you know, Jordan, he's obviously much better than the guys he's playing. He's going to have to be, you know, he's going to be aggressive. He's going to be confident. But, um, you know, even earlier in the exhibition games and game one, you know, game one, he tried, he tried for a dunk, you know, from like a step or two inside the, the foul line and he lost it and kind of, it looked bad, but he got hit in the face. But you just, you just kind of like, you like seeing that aggressiveness. You like seeing him, you know, kind of, trying to take the lane and go to the basket um, just because his size, like he's, he should be a little bit more physical. And the thing is like, the one thing we all know is the defense is, is fantastic. And he's so aggressive defensively. Like he's not afraid to pick up three quarter court in the NBA. He's not afraid to pick up full court, you know, every single possession in FIBA, like he's, he's all over the place on defense, but then he kind of loses like a little bit of that edge when he's on offense. So I think maybe not aggressiveness to the basket, anything like that, but like kind of like an edge offensively, being a little more physical, a little more demanding, something like that. But I would, I will say you guys, the missed shots, that's number one. Mine will, you know, a little more aggressiveness. I'll say that's number two because it's, I mean, it's the whole offense for him is what you really look at it. I'm looking at ESPN right now, and, and Danny, I wonder, did you see uh, the comments that were made by the Brazil coach after that that uh, Greece victory or the victory over Greece? He said, he said, I saw, I saw the headline or something. He said something about like, was it about Giannis? Oh yeah, he says, and I quote, "Yeah, fill me in." Yeah, you have a guy who won MVP. He's 23 years old, and who stops him tonight? The guy who's 40 year old and kicked his ass. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. Hey, he's not wrong. He's, he's not wrong. Not, but you kind of you better hope you don't see Giannis again. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, that would be. I kind of want to see these guys play again now. That's got to be fun. Uh, but I kind of like it. I kind of like the, the the smack talk there. But uh, to wrap this up, Danny, what what are the bigger games coming up ahead here in this tournament? I know it's pool play right now. Uh, what what's a look ahead? 
And, you know, for Team USA and, and uh, Frank Milikina, what, what should people be looking out for? All right, so for, for France, they advanced through. They're in the next group stage, um, but they'll be playing the Dominican Republic, who actually, like, stunned Germany today, a team with Dennis Schroeder, um, you know, Maxi Kleber, Daniel Tice. They took France down to the wire in game one, and Dominican Republic beat Germany, which is kind of shocking. So those two will play. The winner of that will technically win the group, but they're both through. Um, USA will play Japan. So that'll be, you know, they'll, they'll roll them and, and, you know, obviously move on to the next round. But after that, the next round, the group stage starts and they kind of do a reseeding. So it goes from 32 to 16. They'll do another round of groups and then they'll move into the quarterfinals, which really the quarterfinals is that's where it's going to get really interesting. You know, you'll see the France, USA, you know, Spain against Serbia, you know, those top level teams. Um, until then, you're going to still see some of these, you know, Dominican Republics, some of these, you know, even though Brazil played really well today, you'll see some of these weaker teams in this next group stage still. All right, well, that's all we have for today. encourage you to uh, give Danny Small a follow here on Twitter. He's doing a great job covering uh, the FIBA World Cup, a lot of great insights. He has, you have an article coming out tomorrow on it, is that correct? Yeah, I'm going to have a, uh, an article on Frank and uh you know, kind of his performance against Jordan. I'll have something on that tomorrow at EliteSportsNY.com. So make sure you're looking out for that. Again, he's doing a great job. He's killing it with his coverage with it as the FIBA World Cup will continue on. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, next week as we get into, you know, the the deeper stages here where the games really start to intensify and uh, take a look at what Neil Akeem is doing and what what Team USA is doing. Hopefully they can kind of mesh together and, and um, well, you know, not make it as interesting as they did today when they were nearly upset by a Turkey team. Can you guys imagine if they would end up losing this game? I mean, it, it would have been just, it, it would have been crazy. I mean, they, they survive it, so people are talking about it here, but at least they were able to win it, um, and, and we'll just keep you covered with it. It's a, it's a fun event. It's an exciting time right now because we don't have that, that boring no basketball right now. There's at least something uh, which makes this a lot of fun, and you know, as we said earlier in the show, it's not like Team USA is steamrolling past everybody right now. So it, it is something to keep an eye on and watch, and uh, it's not as predictable because there there are other good teams in this, uh, and it's going to be an interesting tournament. So we'll leave that here, and we'll be back next week for another episode of the Next State of Mind podcast. <laughs>